Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining me. It really is a pleasure to have you. My guest today is Shweta Bist. Shweta is a photographer currently based in New York City in the United States and a mother of two girls. Shweta was born in New Delhi in India. Both her parents were artistic but put it aside to work. Shweta painted a lot, drew, sang and was in the theatre. She acted and danced. Art was an outlet for her even as a child spending time doing oil canvases. Art was a way for her to find solace and to process things that weren't going right for her as a teenager. In 2007, Chweta moved to Dubai with her husband and lived there until 2013, when she moved to New York City with her young family. It was during this time of being a new mother that her interest and enjoyment from photography came to light. As her experiences with photography developed, Shweta found that the pictures became more art-like and began to reflect her inner thoughts and feelings, more so than doing work for others. While drawing attention to her maternal identity and the intimate relationship she shares with her daughters, Shweta stages conceptual photographs to draw attention to the emotional labour of mothering, highlighting maternal love and the reciprocity of mothering between mother and child. Her endeavour is to create images that urge the viewer to contemplate the complexities of the maternal experience in its ambivalent entirety and to contribute to a narrative about the lives of women and their children told from their perspective. This episode contains discussion around anxiety and depression and was recorded prior to the United States Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. Music you'll hear today is from Australian New Age trio Alemjo, which features myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John, and is used with permission. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Alison. Yeah, it's lovely to meet you. Likewise. So you, at, at the moment, you, you're in New York City, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I live in, I live in Manhattan. Wow. So like right in the thick of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It can get busy here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so whereabouts are you from originally? So I'm from, I'm from New Delhi. I'm from India. Um, and um, yeah, I was born in, in New Delhi and I lived there for, um, for most of my life really up until now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I left after I got married, two years after I got married to my husband we first moved to Dubai from mm-hmm. Delhi. And then after that, we um, moved to New York from Dubai. Yeah. In 2013. So, 
Yeah, right. Uh, and I left home in 2007, so it's been a while. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're a photographer, but not the sort of necessarily the style of photography that most people would think of when they think of a photographer. So can you share with us um, what your sort of style is and, and perhaps why you do do things the way you do? So, well, I when I started taking pictures, um, it was before the children were born. And I remember I bought my first camera in um, actual camera in um, Dubai in 2008. And um, at that time, I worked um, for a company that was basically a manufacturer of garments and protective wear for corporate clothing and industrial clothing. And um, I only had time on the weekends and I loved taking the camera everywhere I went. And gradually over a period of time, I developed much love for it. And you know, when you have children and you know how moms are and we're always taking pictures of our kids and... Mm. Uh, that happened with when my first one was born and even then I didn't think I'd do this for a living yeah but you know we moved to New York and um after the second one was born about eight weeks after she was born we moved here and um I was home with the kids and you know of course snapping away and I think somewhere after a year I kind of thought you know I love this. I should, I should do this for a living. <laughs> so, uh, but I never really, you know, you know, when the kids were little, it was, I didn't, it was hard for me to kind of pull myself out of where I had gotten, you know, as a stay at home mom. And I was really very focused on building a life for them and a community for us because we didn't know uh, many people when we moved here. And um, so when the little one started going to kindergarten, that's when I, that's when I went back to um, school a little bit. I went, I took evening lessons at the School of Visual Arts. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and I started taking pictures uh, for small sums of money, you know, just working freelance, like um, t family photographs, um, shooting events, uh, performances. Mm -hmm. And, um, but but I wanted to do something else is what I realized while doing all this, I was thinking I needed to make art. Mm. And um, because I had so much to talk about, I felt, you know, about what I had experienced uh, about being uh, a mother. And it just became important for me to um, reach out to other women, perhaps who were going through what I was in a sense. Um, and for me, it became became mostly therapy. And what I do is I stage conceptual photographs um, that are um, that talk about my experience of mothering and my experience as a woman and a mother. Really, basically, that's what it is. Mm. And um, so my work basically evolved over a period of time where it came from a place of necessity to process what I was going through. And um, also because I was interested in making art yeah. rather than just doing freelance paid paid work. Yeah. Yeah. Something like meaningful and then something, I guess, that would satisfy what, what you 
needed to get out of it. Like you said, you needed to make art, you needed to, you know, communicate to others and share your um, thoughts, I suppose. Yes, yes. And I think, well, I think of myself as a thinker and an image maker. I I've always thought a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> since I was little. My mother was like, you think too much. And everybody who I've met almost, like, you think too much. I'm like, in the beginning, I used to think that something's wrong with me. But, um, yeah. you know, now I've come to a point that I'm like, uh, I'm so old now. <laughs> I don't think this is going away. <laughs> this condition is not going away. I should do something about it. So, um, so you know, I, I harness all of that now, you know, because you must I guess some of us are just thinkers and um it's important for me to make pictures to visualize my interiority I think that's that's what I'm doing really and um mm. taking pictures is it's meditative for me um mm. I use it as therapy like one might experience flow when you swim or you run and um, some people meditate yeah. for me this is meditation um, and in that moment, I connect with the world in this uncanny way um, mm. that I'm so aware of the present, you know, and mm. in that one moment where the future is, doesn't exist and the past doesn't exist either, really, in a sense, uh, because everything I've known up until that point is already influencing how I'm thinking and feeling in that moment. Mm. And so, therefore, it's just that one moment for me at that point and what I do with it. So I just find um, photography a very meditative exercise and I engage in it to shut everything else down, the noise, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. And uh, I think in the beginning when I, when I started, it was take pictures of what was in front of me, waiting for a, cir a circumstance to emerge you know, the wait, wow, can be endless. <laughs> um, and, but I think now what I do is, because I want to use this as a tool to convey how I feel and I think. Mm. So I construct images instead of waiting for the image to happen, I, I construct them. So you use your daughters a lot in your work. It's a wonderful connection between your art and your children. And I guess it sort of makes sense because of what you're trying to convey. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, I think that when I started taking pictures of the girls and the setups and the, sta in the, the stage photographs with the children, it was at the start of the COVID pandemic. And... Um, you know, we were home and the kids were wanting to be busy. And I thought, well, instead of the iPad, um, why don't we just, why don't we take pictures together? Yeah. And they were quite excited about the idea. Um, and they, you know, they still like doing it with me, although now kind of waning from it, you know, the, the mm -hmm. excitement is dying down, but um, how it started was that basically. And um, 
And over the course of taking pictures with them, what I realized was that um, when I was sitting with the work after that, post the fact, I realized that I've been living through them in a sense, um, reliving my past mm -hmm. and reliving my childhood. You know, as we do as mothers, I, mm -hmm. right, Alison, like when you're raising your kids and you're thinking back, wait, how was I when I was, how was, you know, how was I raised? And I think all of those questions are raised. And, and I think slowly I was kind of trying to um, express that through my work with them. Mm. And for me, it became essential then to, to, for them to, for me to give, to allow them to have a different experience than what I did in a sense, not that I had a, it, that my parents had anything to do with the poor experience, but just the fact that I had, when I was a little girl, I was in Delhi and, you know, life is hard there for girls. And I think a lot of people are aware of that. Mm. And I wanted them to grow up feeling strong about who they were as, as who they are as girls. And, you know, and I think therefore it, for me now, it seems that we take pictures together and I take pictures with them for a sense to role model mm. um, how, um, you know, that they should feel empowered in feeling in being girls. And also um, to, because I talk about motherhood and I talk about how, how I feel. Um, I think it's essential for them to see that it's okay to talk about the hardships of, of being a mother and not pretending that all the time that it's all fun and games and mm. that I'm happy all the time. I think it's, the role modeling aspect for me is important because I want to raise empowered girls. Mm. I love that. So when you were growing up in India, mm -hmm. um, you sort of touched on the way that the girl life for girls is hard, but you've also talked about being a deep thinker that, mm -hmm. and, and your need to express and to, I guess, work through things. Um, you know, you've talked about your, your art being a therapy. Did you have any sort of outlet or any sort of creative things that you were doing as you grew up? Or was that not even an option because you were a girl growing up in India? Oh, no, I was very creative, actually, when mm -hmm. I was young. Yeah. Um, I actually think most kids are, but um, especially in my house, I think, because my father and my mother both were quite um, creative themselves. But I think they didn't have the opportunities. You know, they had to make a living. And, mm -hmm. um, and also for girls and anyone in general, I think pursuing a career in art is not something that is considered uh, as a career choice mm. <laughs> in India at that time it wasn't I think now there is one liberal art school in in North India the mm. first one of its kind so um but I did have a lot of um artistic pursuits when I was younger I was um I painted a lot um I also sang I, I was a I was in theater and 
you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I used to act and I had took Hindustani classical uh, voice lessons. So I, I had a very, my extracurriculars were all creative. There was, mm-hmm. um, it, I really didn't, I was no sports, nothing. It was all creative work. Yeah. So I loved it. And um, I think that even then for me, um, art was an outlet. I used to make, I remember these massive oil paintings, which I hated eventually. And I would paint all over them again, like my canvases. I called my mother the other day. I said, do you still have any of my canvases? She's like, um, which ones? <laughs> but because I was so such a perfectionist, yeah. I would paint and then I would be like, oh, this is rotten. And then I would go paint over them again. <laughs> but um, I remember feeling like an oddball um, yeah. always because I was such a thinker. And remember, as I said, I was told I was thinking mm. too much. So yeah. I would spend time by myself a lot and I would paint and I would listen to music and yeah. and draw. And um, I think I would just spend time with myself a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was a way for me to find solace mm-hmm. and um and and process um things that weren't going right with me as as a teenager or as a as a young girl yeah yeah Coming back to your photography, I'm really um, Mm -hmm. fascinated by some of the work that you've done. I've been having a look on your Instagram account and um, Mm -hmm. I just want to go through a few of the, I guess, the titles and and the projects that you've done. There's one that you did um, called the COVID Family Portrait, which I thought was really, really cool. Can you tell us about that one? Well, you know, I mean, do I... What happened to all the mothers during COVID? It was just, and when I say mothers, I don't want to limit it to just women who are taking care, like Mm -hmm. opening it up to anybody who cares for other people, you know? And I just feel like we were all exhausted. And I remember in the beginning, it was, it seemed like, hey, we're on a holiday, but (laughs) that didn't last too long. And um, very quickly I realized that this is not looking good because we had groceries coming into the house and I remember there was a scare about it spreading from surfaces and my husband and I were like washing bags of stuff and it was just really so really so frightening Mm -hmm. and um so there was a lot of work and we all know that and um I was exhausted but then I was so angry too Mm -hmm. and um in the middle we started we started the project, I think in some, in the summer, the one with the girls. And, and then I was like, wait a second, but I feel so angry. And I didn't, I don't think I got to express that frustration um, until later when I was like, okay, I think I should make a picture about this. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so, but I had to wait to be less upset, I think, because in the moment, it would have been, um, I wanted to, I wanted it to be just something whimsical because 
um, I guess when I make work, I also think about it being somewhat beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, like it has to, it has to communicate something essential. But it also, for me, I feel like I need it to be beautiful. I mean, and whatever my concept of beauty is, is what I'm obviously going at here. Yeah. And so it took me a while to mull this one over. It's like, how should I shoot this one? Yeah. And I love pink and it was springtime when I shot that one. So, you know, then it became a no brainer. Fatigued mom, kids on their devices and father on the phone all day. So that was, um, sorry about that. Yeah. So that was a, you know, uh, an interesting one. And I think a lot of people, um, related to it it resonated with a lot of families mm. yeah so it was yeah. interesting shooting that one with everybody they were laughing my whole family they were like <laughs> are we really doing this i said yeah isn't this the truth though then mm. they, the kids looked at me and they had a nice laugh and my husband's like i do not do not circulate this <laughs> if my colleagues see this stuff i'm like relax oh god <laughs> It's only the truth. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, isn't it? You're not you're not showing anything that's not you know real. (laughs) Yeah. But just on on that, when you said about how you're really angry, and then you sort of waited before you did the shoot, did you have any sort of idea in your head how that might have looked if you had have shot it when you were angry? I think the reason there's two reasons why I think I don't I don't make work when I'm extremely when I'm when I'm in that emotion mm-hmm. uh, I think the one reason is that my thinking brain doesn't work quite well <laughs> it's a very basic and a very standard like a really technical reason is that when I'm really emotional I'm not able to um, focus very well if that mm-hmm. makes any sense yeah. Um, I wouldn't be able to make it fun for the family is the second reason, because I think when I'm taking pictures with the kids, I need them to know that even though that this is something that is difficult, uh, a difficult emotion or a difficult uh, message, mm-hmm. that we're going to do it in a way that's light and acceptable for the children, because I don't want them walking away feeling that they did something that was upsetting to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm actually overall quite conscious about that when I work with them because I want them to have good feelings and and be agreeable about the the work we make together, the work they make with me. Yeah. Um. Bec- and they're old enough to have that conversation with me. You know, it's not like they're they're. You know, when we started, they were I think they were seven and ten. Mm-hmm. so so they were old enough to understand what was going on and so it, it it's always been important to me that they that they're okay with what I'm sorry there's such a long-winded reply no, to what no, you this, asked me no this is perfect this is where, where I'm trying to go with it I think that you don't just use your children as a prop you don't just put them there and say look like this you're actually explaining to them what the message you're trying to convey so they can understand they're part of what you're creating I suppose Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, When they were younger, of course, and I was taking pictures of them playing on the beach or doing something like that, it was different, you know, and but I've always been quite conscious about um, um, their agency, you know, I want them to have that agency. And I think it's because when I was young, I didn't. And I feel also that 
if I want them to be people who express themselves and ask for what they want, then they then I have to and I have to start giving them that authority in their lives. Yeah. That's yeah. so important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. And the other one I want to ask about is um, you did a plastic series. Um, well, this was, you know, well, initially this was a part of COVIDity where, you know, my daughters and I made over the pandemic a massive, it was, it's a very big series. And then I think later I thought about the little bits that we did talking about plastic pollution mm-hmm. with, I and I thought I did specific, uh, specifically just with the little one. And so I pulled it out as another set. But um, in that we the little one was had assignment from school she was uh very interested in um um the pollution of our oceans and she became very upset when she watched the video on the you know the great pacific garbage patch mm, yes yeah and um uh, she couldn't believe it she was she was beside herself she um is also a, um she between my two children i think she's also quite um she feels a lot more she's kind of like she's kind of you know um how can i describe she feels the pain of everybody that lives yeah. <laughs> and so when she read yeah. that and she learned about all the these the sea animals and the sea life that was being harmed she was upset and i think it gave me an opportunity to go in there and and talk about that a little bit more and we talked about things like using straws and um, using plastic bags and plastic water bottles. And I said, listen, you know, I think that we we can agree that we should refuse the straw when you go to the restaurants and they seem to agree, yeah. So I think I just used that at a moment for them to to educate them and to to solidify what they learned. And, um, and specifically with the little one, um, she and I thought, let's make pictures with it because that's what that's what I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's make pictures. <laughs> yeah. uh, no brainer. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I think with the series, we were just trying to communicate how, you know, this how um, a sea creature, a sea animal, or a turtle, or uh, you know, um, a pelican might feel, or a seagull might feel when they ingest plastic, or um, um, and how enlightening the suffocation of the planet to the suffocation of this little girl mm-hmm. my daughter who's in the um, who's in the series so kind of um, drawing attention to that subject and um, having my daughter who was seven to present the subject to kind of 
uh, to convey the 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 need for people to uh, consider this um, being a you know a significant issue that our world faces today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up about that, what you're just saying about mm-hmm. the identity, because that's something I really love to explore with mums on this show is how how mm-hmm. violently your life changes and how you see yourself <laughs> changes, um, you know, and that analogy you said of you felt like you've been hit by a truck, you know, that's literally mm-hmm. what it is, isn't it? it you just yes. Get, you just get belted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, um, it is. Yeah. It's absolutely that because I'm, I mean, um, you know, in my case, I don't, you know, it might be different for, but I think mostly it is, it was like that. My mother didn't, we didn't ever talk about it. Uh, My mother never talked to me about how it was. And um, I remember I had my, my first, my daughter and I came back home. Uh, Obviously I thought now I know how to feed my child because the nurse showed me how to do this. I can do this. And I came home and that night I remember I was sitting on the edge of the bed and I was sobbing because I had no idea how to breastfeed my child. And I was like, oh, I have no milk. I have no milk. And I remember sobbing because I thought I'm not lactating. And um, and my mother and my mother-in-law, they both stood there at the foot of the bed and they said, I think you should give your child formula. And so I said to my husband desperately, I said, I need to go to the lactation consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to her and voila, I had milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she looked at me and she says, you have, mi-. she just comforted me. And she just sent me back home, gave me a big hug and said, you're fine. Everything's fine. Go back home. But I guess what I was trying to say was that that was the first time I ever felt guilt. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm a horrible mother. I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know how to have milk, which is like so stupid. Why would I know how to have milk? Why would I, why would I know this stuff? Like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. I'm supposed to know it because like, this is natural. No, it's not. Like, I don't, you know, so I, yeah, I think that I'm not even, in fact, I'm going to say this. I don't, I don't think that I ever thought about who I was before I realized I didn't know who I was. You know, I mean, yeah. it was, um, and I think the loss happened over a period of time. I remember I quit work uh, when the older daughter was born, when our older daughter was born, um, because I didn't have adequate maternity leave. And I couldn't imagine leaving her in like 40 days and going back to work. So um, my husband could support us. And I said, okay, you know, I'm just going to uh, this was in Dubai and I said okay I'm just gonna stay home and I was really excited to be a mother actually I was really looking forward to it I, I always wanted to be a mom 
Um, and so this was a very exciting time for me. Um, but you know, over a period of time and through the birth of the second girl, I, I started realizing how much I was losing control over elements of my life. Um, I don't know, does that make any sense? But oh, yeah, my, li- my little girl was about one and a half. I think it was 2014 sometime. And I started to realize that I was so fragmented. I, I didn't know who I was. Um, like, who am I? I was always so invested in everyone else's life. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we were out to a friend's house and we were, you know, talking and my friends and my husband, they were engaged in this very riveting conversation about something current, which I was not current with. <laughs> and um, I was trying to follow through desperately the conversation and my kids came over and as always, you know how they come to you and they, my older daughter, and she started, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. And so I took her and when I came back, I was totally lost. And I realized mm-hmm. that, um, in that one moment, it hit me when I realized, and probably, you know, you'd wonder why, but I, I, I think I'd been feeling it for a while, feeling like I don't fit in, feeling like I don't understand what's going on. Mm. And I think in that one moment, I was like, all right, that's it. I need to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I can't, I can't live like a no, like I don't, who am I? I need to find myself again. Mm. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't going to perhaps let the fact that you were a mum stop you from that, like in that that actual physical act of your child needing you and removing you from a conversation was sort of an analogy of you've been removed from the world because you are a mother. And if I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's how I guess I'm yeah, interpreting yeah, yeah. it. It's like that's a really powerful thing to connect and go, oh, not, not liking this. This is going to change. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think you mm. you phrased that very well. And I think um I think what happened was that um it was a crisis really when I think back. At that time I didn't I think I really had to even now like every day that passes I I I I see it better. I Yeah. I see I see myself better now than I did then. Mm. And I was lost and I was very unhappy. And only I knew that. Mm. Um, and I was, and I felt guilty that I had everything that I needed. I had a, I had healthy children. You know how it is. Like you have a, you have a happy family in a sense. And, and it's like, why do I still feel so empty? And, mm. and you know, I said, I'm a thinker. Mm. So <laughs> I was like, what do I like? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> My children were flourishing and I was diminishing. Mm. There was something wrong yeah. there. And I think I had to acknowledge that, and um, and 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 I knew, and I knew that it was because I, since I was about sixteen, I had been working part time, and I think that being dependent, mm. uh, and being and being and and, you know, kind of losing myself was very hard for me too, and yeah, so I decided that I'm going to take pictures for a living, but I had to wait a bit. I had to wait yeah. for the little one to, you know, get to a point where I can kind of pull myself out. It takes time once you decide, but then from by the time you get to it, you know. Yeah. But you made that decision and that's that's the most important step, I think, because without that, you nothing else comes. So, you know, you've got it in your head that this is where I'm going to be. This is what's going to happen. And you can make it happen slowly, you know, over a period of time 
and you know physical barriers you know you still have to actually you know you've got a child here you you can't just go oh you, you sort yourself out while I go do this yeah. you know physically you know yes. your limitations that life gives you but you mm-hmm. made it happen yeah. you did it and that's just tremendous I just love that yeah yeah I think that it's um I think I think eventually in life as you said it's just essential that we all try you know, trying is all that is needed. And I think no matter how hard it is to balance your professional life or whatever you're, whatever, something for yourself with being a mother, because that's not just who we are. We're so mm-hmm. much more than that. And mm-hmm. um, I think that it's very important, even if we have to, even if it takes time, like you said, no matter how long it takes and and we may not get there but mm. i think as i'm saying this you know it might sound crazy i mean i get there like but i think the trying is what is most essential yeah i agree with that yeah that's it, yeah. Isn't it? I find it so fascinating that there can be such liberated women but have been raised by women that maybe weren't like that. It's like you must have got a sense of it from something. You know what I mean? Like where did that come from? And yeah. Yeah. And I just find it so I think that it's yeah. very interesting. And I think and I think about that because I kind of um all my role models were women who who have, you know, mothered in a patriarchal world. Mm. and um I also mothered like that for for many years um I guess the time that I realized I needed to make a change quite frankly was when I when I got introduced to um um I don't know if you know about her but her name is Andrea O'Reilly she's um she's written um she teaches uh, motherhood studies um, in Canada, in I think it's York University. Uh-huh. Don't quote me on it, but um, she um, she's written a book about uh, the theory and practice of matricentric feminism. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably taking this totally off tangent. Oh no! But I guess what it. I was trying to say was that I think that when you know when I was making work about mothering and motherhood, um, I became introduced. I I got introduced to a whole. Um, a bunch of of mother artists who you know who I met just because I you know spoke at a conference I think in 2021 oh yeah last year yeah and um and I gradually learned about these uh I mean I was making work about put the mother first you know like let's talk about what it really looks like without knowing that 
there are so many people out there who do the same thing. Yeah. Of course, yeah. there are artists and photographers as well who've done it, who you know, whose work I was aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a movement now, and that more and more we're talking about this and how important this identity is, and how important it is to um, um, to kind of uh, live the life that you want your children to have. Mm-hmm. And I think reading reading the books that I've read now, and reading the you know, opinions of, I think there have been some psychologists who have talked about this, that you have to model the behavior that you expect. And it's not enough to, like, I was telling my kids all the time, you should never compromise, you should never do this, you should know, but it's all just talk unless you actually live it. So I think um, then it became really important for me to have a life and a career and pursue something that I love to do, notwithstanding uh, my circumstances and you know trying really hard to make way for myself and speak my mind and mm. um yeah. yeah so I guess that's how <laughs> I guess we all we all and also I think it's when I stepped away from where I was the environment in which I was which was you know India or you know the family that I was surrounded by that I could actually see it objectively from a distance mm-hmm. And I think that kind of um, then helps, then it helped me kind of put things into perspective, being the distance helped and yeah, yeah. looking at it from a different angle from a long way away. Yes. Yeah. I had a, a sort of similar situation to some degree when um, yeah. when my first son was born and I'd worked full-time since I was, I left school and I actually got a job before I left school. So I basically just went into work and I'd worked full-time till I was 20, 29 when I had my first child. So that's a long time. And I was very yes. independent. I was raised, you know, I had a lot of strong independent women around me that always said, make sure you have your own money, you know, this, that and the other even my husband and I, to this day, we still do our own washing. You know, we don't, I don't iron his clothes because I don't know how to, because he can do it better than me. You know, we're very, we've got a weird setup, but, but when I actually had my child and I was sitting at home on the floor one day playing with him and I had this realization that this is my life now, like there is nothing else for me to go and do. I I was thinking, oh, I've got to, what do I need to do? I had this sense of me, like, what have I got to do? It was like, you don't Mm. have to do, this is you now. This is this is your life now. And I just sort of sat there and just thought, oh God, like I had this, it just made Mm. me feel so almost defeated. Like I'm not independent anymore. 
you know, I've got this little person to look after who I loved, you know, obviously, but I just thought, oh, wow, this is me now. And I felt really, (laughs) really defeated. It was just a a really weird (laughs) feeling like, oh, this is you now. Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's horrible to say it out loud, but yeah. And so then I had to make myself find things that would be a part of my life now that would make me feel uplifted and give me the feelings that I had, you know, being an independent woman and going to work, how else could I get those feelings that I wanted to feel? And like, and mm-hmm. same thing over time, you know, over time. Yeah. Doing things. I think it's really important to to talk about that. And I'm, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Mm. And I don't think that it's horrible at all. Like, I just, I feel like it's so real because yeah. you're someone, right. And then overnight you're not that person anymore <laughs> yeah it's pretty yeah. it's huge and it's it is just isn't like it? it's just so why doesn't anybody talk like why yeah. why don't we talk about this it's such yeah. a significant thing the maternal transition it's so significant yeah. and there's no conversation about it yeah and I remember like talking to my mom like why wouldn't you ever tell me and she said well there's no there was nothing to tell you I'm like Fifty percent of the population goes through it. She looks at me. I said that does not make it any less significant. Mm. You know, that's the yeah. thing that I don't. I'm like, just because people, ju- and wait, that fifty percent is women. If it was men, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you right? imagine? <laughs> oh, honey, my elbow hurts. I'm like, eh, just you know, <laughs> I popped kids out, buddy. You don't get to talk about your elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Like seriously, oh. it's like if if those fifty percent were men, mm-hmm. it would be a diff. We this would be a different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would be having like classes for these <laughs> things. Like, men, you're about to pop babies out. Come and roll yourselves in. Yeah, how exactly. You yeah. This is how you're going to feel lessons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh, I, uh, you're spot on though. You're spot on, and I think, yeah, like you touched oh, yeah, on earlier. a little bit crazy there. Oh no! It's like, okay. Oh my God! I no. grab this opportunity to make fun. Do then, it! Oh, God, sorry. no! Do I'm it! I'm not a man, you know. And it just sounds like I'm not a man hater. I have a husband. Yeah. I love him. You know. It's like yeah. it's just that it's just that I feel that it's high time we just we were, you know, talking about these things and not and moms and it's and I want to mention this um this um I was reading a book. I think it's uh it is Andrea Riley's book where she takes a little excerpt from. Susan Mosshart, Susan Mosshart, yeah, who talks about the mask of motherhood, basically mask of motherhood, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically, uh, um, it's not just a mask, it's not just a facade of what you know, a facade that we, we, which we hide behind, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, telling ourselves that everything is perfect and everything is beautiful, and not only are people around us responsible for that, but it's also us, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have to take ownership for um for for putting on that mask for letting it propagate so mm-hmm. i think that it's essential for us to be more honest about how we feel and and talk about it and and it's okay because we love our kids you know mm-hmm. it's we love them we i mean if 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 there was a bus and coming at us we would we would be the ones under the bus not the kids like we we would give our lives for our kids but the ambivalence, you know, there is ambivalence and it's mm-hmm. important to talk about that and it's human to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the way I sort of make sense of it, like you were saying before, 
it's meant to come naturally. You know, you're meant to know how to breastfeed. You're meant to know how to feel. You're meant to know what to do. And because I think there's that, that, um, what's the word? Expectation that you're meant to know what to do. So everybody just goes, oh, she's got a baby now. She'll be fine because she's she'll know what to do. You know, it's just mm-hmm. that's what I think sets everything up for for all this these feelings because then when we don't know what to do, you know, we get that guilt. We get we feel like we failed. Um, you know, I felt like like I had trouble breastfeeding my first child. Turns out mm-hmm. it's because he was so sleepy. We, he just wouldn't wake up to be fed. He was ridiculous. And then all of a sudden at six weeks, he woke up and we were fine. But in that time when it was a struggle, I felt like an absolute failure because like I'm yeah. the mum. I'm the one who's meant to feed this child. And why isn't it happening? It must be my fault. You know, it couldn't be yes. anybody else's fault. It was my fault. You know, this is what we put on ourselves because we're conditioned to think that we're, we're meant to know what to do and it's all natural and normal and you know we've got to change yeah, absolutely. Listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. I don't know if I'm racing you up to this, but I thought this was a great time to talk about mum guilt. Oh, yes, please. um, I just, you know, and I could write a book on this because (laughs) also, like, like, it's such an awful emotion. Guilt in itself is such an awful emotion. Mm. And And I'm saying this you know off the heels of what you just said guilt is a socially enforced emotion Mm. and it's we're raised to experience guilt as a marker that will guide us towards more socially acceptable behaviors yeah like all all humans feel it but but because those who mother feel responsible for a huge variety of things Mm. right it opens up more avenues for us to experience guilt in our yes. lives as carers yeah absolutely you know, it's like just so much more that we do and ca- taking care of other people's lives and um but but the truth is that the practice of of mothering responds to circumstances in which we raise our children mm. you know like if you're a mother in india you're different than a mother in the u.s or if you're a mother in the uk you might be different than somebody who's raising their children in a tribe in africa like mm. or japan like I think that motherhood is a socially constructed uh, institution. It's a patriarch. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's Adrian Rich who who distinguishes the institution of motherhood from the practice of mothering. And mm. 
the fact that mothering is is a response to um, circumstance and to the needs of the place where you're raising your child and it is and the institution of motherhood is influenced by the expectations loaded onto us by society mm-hmm. by cultural representations of what mothers should look like like oh you know you should know how to breastfeed really no i don't mm-hmm. uh, or you know like things like that and or like you know mothers are supposed to i don't know making this up stay home with the kids not go to work and but in places where neoliberalism is all the rage mm-hmm. mothers are supposed to go to work and take care of their kids and take care of their husbands and have beautiful shiny homes mm-hmm. and do all of it all 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 like how can you even possibly yeah <laughs> do it all and feel like and feel like a success like yeah. something is got to give you know like you're going to and the and the problem with this is that no matter how you look at it because mm-hmm. of all of these expectations that we're trying to live up to we will never feel like successes yeah. you know it's like we're yeah. in a sense we're set up to fail yes what yeah. do you think yeah no i agree with that it's interesting um you're talking about um it just reminded me of a i had a guest on probably i think it was episode 3 or 4 her name's rachel power and she's written this <gasps> book you know yes. her yeah <laughs> i yeah. loved that interview yeah. Oh, I'm yes. pleased. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was amazing. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, and she, she was. Yeah. Her her book, um, The Divided Heart, Art and Motherhood, for anyone that's interested, um, it really <clears> goes <throat> deep into this. And she, the way she described that, you know, the, the feminists have had sort of led the way for us and told us that we could have it all, we could have a job, we could do this, we could do that. Yeah. But then the moment you become a mother, you know, yeah. what happens to that? All of it just disappears and then you're left questioning yourself like I thought I could I thought I could do this but now society's going well actually no you can't like you know it's a really challenging we lose all the gains of feminism when we become mothers yeah Yeah. and um and 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 you know Andrea O'Reilly talks about this in her book and she talks about how mothers need their own feminism we Mm. need our own because we have different needs you know Yes, women have their needs yeah. and mothers and mothers have their needs and mothers and mothers including anyone m slash others mothers mm. you know like anybody yep. mother and other who's taking care of um you know because now there's different ways and of being of of being a mother and doing the job of mothering yes. but i think um you know absolutely spot on there you know yeah. that there is no gain when it comes to us and we need we need a feminism of our own, in a sense. Mm. So Andrea O'Reilly, I'm going to look her up because she sounds like someone that I want to talk to. <laughs> oh, goddess, goddess in the flesh. Yeah. 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 yeah I uh, think that, oh my God, it would be quite smashing if you'd, if you can, if you can have her, because I mean, I, I just, um, I think there's so much of what I read that opened me up uh, when I read her books. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, it's I, what I've drawn from. What I've drawn from it really is that we have to really be open to talking about this and asking for what we need. And mm. um, I don't know how far you can go to exert political influence because at at the moment, you know, um, as far as where I live in America, in in you know the U.S., mm. we don't even have universal uh, maternity leave. It's yeah. It's absolutely bizarre to me that oh, look, this honestly, country does not have, um, yeah, it's, 
Yes. It's really, I mean, I remember being here and coming here and thinking, I, I really honestly think if I was somewhere else, my experience would have been different. Mm-hmm. And what I realized over here was um, that women, mothers were doing so much, so much, so much. Mm-hmm. And um, overwhelmed. And the ones who were home with the kids like me, uh, when I was a stay-at-home mother for a very long time, I still think I am one. I, mean, I don't think that's ever going to, you know, my kids are my central focus. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, when I went and, and those women were so isolated. Mm. And yes, you might come out and meet other moms in your coffee chat groups and things like that. But it's the, there was no real like exchange of conversation where you could say that what do we really need and how can mm. we get there i think one cannot really get too far if you know the the you know you don't have much support apparently oh. we have no political consequence you know so yeah it, and honestly i'm 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 not going to sound like i'm bagging america but, do it do it uh, i don't know like <laughs> australia is an amazing place. When I compare it to other places in the world, you know, we have universal healthcare, we have a paid maternity leave system, we've got paid paternity leave system. Um, And then you think America's supposed to be the best place in the world, the greatest country on earth. And you think you can't even go to the hospital and get fixed up without paying a bill, you know, of $20,000, $30,000. I just don't understand it. I just think how can you not be up with the times of the world of what people deserve and expect and are worthy of, you know, like how hard is yeah. it? You know, we, we've got this Medicare yeah. system over here where everybody, you know, that, that earns over a certain amount of money, a portion of their tax goes to Medicare and it's simple. I mean, and it's not simple, but you know what I mean? It sounds very simple and straightforward. And I know there's, there's still issues with our healthcare system. Nothing's perfect and nothing can ever be perfect. There's always things that can be improved, but I think, God, the amount of times I've taken my children to the hospital in the middle of the night because they've had a bit of a creepy cough or I felt in pain and I'm not sure why. If I had a barrier of money in the way, I would never have done that stuff. And you just think, how can a society, a modern society function in that way with where money is the, the, the thing that stops you from taking care of yourself? Just yes, I think and uh, it, it, it's definitely something of concern and of course, they're riding on the backs of so many women who, who, who basically raise the next generation without any support, mm. in a sense. And um, it's essential. What I what recently what is bugging me is that we do not have good mental health insurance, mm-hmm. and there's an there's a there's a different pandemic now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's really upsetting that I go to the doctor and it's like, oh, I need a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there isn't any good therapist that your insurance covers. I don't first of all, I don't even know good, bad. But I just feel like if I start the process with someone, I should trust that person. And I'm not going to go, oh, after three sessions, you're no good. <laughs> mm. I'm going to go look. Like it's very hard, I think, for people who uh, like for someone who like when I go into depression or when I have anxiety, I have I've always managed anxiety for many years. 
Yeah. And for me to actually pick up the phone and say, I'm now going to call a therapist and make an appointment takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And when you don't have faith in the system, it just gets so much harder. Mm -hmm. And then I'm somebody who can probably even afford to pay, uh, you know, for a few sessions. And I think about all of the millions of people who can't. Mm. And it's um, when healthcare becomes a thing of privilege, it's frightening. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. I think it's quite, it's quite saddening. And I think the fact that even if there have been many ways to have physical health care, I think, I think what's really very important is men mental health care. Mm. And um, which I think we're really far behind on. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Look, honestly, from observing it from across the world, it's just, it makes no sense. It really makes no sense. I but, think you if know, you are going that's... to be a capitalist, sorry, sorry. No, go on, go, ahead. go on. I was just going to continue going, oh, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, <laughs> no, go it makes on. no sense. <laughs> no, I can totally understand how oh. it looks from far away. And I mean, I honestly, like, I just feel like because we're such a capitalist country, mm. like the most, something has to suffer. Mm. We're about making money. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. In Money patriarchal systems of business where yeah. you're you are basically respected for how much how much money can you make and so therefore in a place like this where you're somebody who's paying attention just raising your children and and and, and raising them to be good human beings and with values and and all of these none of that has value yeah you tell the mother that she's noble yet you you know you create a circumstance in which she cannot feel fulfilled because what you really value is money and money mm -hmm. making yeah so i think that that's very demoralizing for so many people who who care for other lives and compromise on you know livelihoods mm, absolutely and then you add to that the fact that there's so many makers um you know that make art or you know music or any sort of thing and because they're not making a living from it then that is devalued as well because you're not making money so it's it's of less worth than someone who is making money from it you know that's a whole yes i think thing. it's really hard to balance a career in art and be somebody who's a who's caring a carer mm. you know because just by the nature of art itself right like it's it's difficult to know what you're doing and how it's going to be appreciated and when you're making work, it's so personal sometimes the work you make. Yeah. And, and so it, I think that circumstances make it so difficult for artists, mothers, and, you know, so we need each other, basically, mm. <laughs> you know, that's we need to lift each other up. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing we've got to, I feel like we've got to sort of, the change has to come with from within first, I think, because the outside have their own views and they're the ones yes. that are continuing to hold these views. But then if yeah. all the mothers say, no, that's wrong, and everyone, you know, revolts against that, if for want of a better word. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I don't, don't know, know. who I was saying that, you know, like, you know, that the fact that we, we actually turn a blind eye to our mothers and things like that and I remember it's like you can obviously see them at drop-off can't you see their faces at mm. yeah you know I mean sorry I don't know where that came out from no but I was, like, I was just thinking true, about though, that I was it? like 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's quite obvious that they need that, you know, and I, and I, and I feel sometimes like we live such isolated lives and the whole idea of the nuclear family and living in, you know, a capitalist country or a nuclear family is the fact that you're isolated in your experiences and, you know, and so I think that that just aggravates an already difficult situation because I was like, I always imagine and fantasize, oh my gosh, if my mother lived across the door from me, <laughs> yeah. how wonderful would that be? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't handle this kid anymore, throw, yeah. you know? <laughs> Catch, mom, catch. <laughs> oh, I love that. But that's true though, isn't it? It's like in, in years gone by, you know, this the saying of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. That was true. Yeah. That was actually what would happen. You'd have people all around you all the time and it's, it's I don't know, yeah. forcing people apart yeah. seems to be, I don't know, yeah. the way the world mm-hmm. is. It's a really, I don't know. But I'm glad we're talking about it. It's, you know, yeah. like you said, it's the first, first steps to making change is, you know, talking yes. and deciding and I don't know. I think it was to 2021 there was a conference that was held by um, the University of Bolton and in the UK um, and we talked and the conference was about the idea of the missing mother that's what the conference title was mm-hmm. and how the mother has been missing in um, the representation of the representation of the mother has been missing in um, various disciplines and in art in particular mm-hmm. and the invitation was for you know academics and artists to um, researchers to come and talk about um, to talk about the subject and share their work and yeah I so I you know talked about my experience and how how basically art helped me um, um, pivot in a sense that's what I used it for Mm -hmm. Uh, it was my lifeline to be quite honest yeah yeah and um and it brought me back to life and um yeah so yeah I uh, I also present papers I talk about I talk about my experience I can't you know that was one conference I talked and just quite recently there was um, a conference that was held by the Museum of Motherhood in Florida Mm -hmm. and um, I also uh, presented a paper and my work um at that conference Uh, and basically the idea is really to you know to talk about my experience to meet other you know individuals who you know uh, have research to share um constantly learning about um wonderful issues related to uh the lives of mothers and mothering and um and uh you know because the representations come from various fields it's always it's enriching to learn about uh, and hear from such people. And I think because it was always important for me to, I had decided I'm going to talk about this yeah. <laughs> uh, because it was important to me because I felt that 
I didn't find many people that would talk to me and and how I felt. Yeah, and right. so I think I, for me, it's not just enough to make, you know, work like photographs and, you know, stage photographs. I also like to present and talk and listen to other people who are doing research in these areas. Mm. Oh, good on you. That's great. I'm going to have to look some of these mm. things up. You've given me so many things. Yeah. I'm to, happy to, to I'm happy to share. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to share some. I can share some links with you. And, That'd um, be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. That would be wonderful. I was I was thinking about this when we were talking about the guilt thing, and I thought that a lot of uh, a lot of mothers who end up working while their kids are little will will say to me, you know, I I'm a better mother when I go to work, and I always used to wonder about that, and I still do, and I just feel that um, I always you know you know consider that you're a better mother if you go to work, but then why do we why do we always have to make it about the kids, you know why why not for you? Like, mm. I think that because society has so much pressure on us um, for putting the kids first, yeah. you know, so everything that we do is for the kids. But um, I actually hope that we can come to a, a point where we can say, I, I, I go to work or I do this because it makes me happy, you know, because yeah. I need it for myself. Mm. Um, exactly. And not, yeah. and not say because, you know, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to feel, Mm. I'm just, I'm just hoping that we could claim, we can claim that thing that we do for ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an know. interesting perspective, isn't it? It's like it, it, we have to be, feel good for somebody else, you know, not just for ourselves, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think really it is what it is, is that um, I think once you're a mother, that that's the only identity that you perhaps feel very strongly about, but Mm. Um, we're more than mothers and wives and or partners and yeah. and daughters. We're we we, you know, like mm. individuals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I I haven't heard any dads say that. So <laughs> I'm a better dad when I go to work. <laughs> Now that the girls are older, I have more time to spend on my practice. Um, but when they were younger and until almost a year ago, uh, I was doing a lot of housework and mother work, mm. you know, and um, I think during the pandemic, I developed a practice to journal every day and make, you know, things to do list because without that, I'm just like headless chicken all over the place. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, so you know I, I make a list and I and I and I, and the list has a lot of chores on it it has you know uh, freelance work stuff that I have to do on it it has you know make creative 
make room for admin work on it. You know, so it's it's a it's a, it's an extensive list, but every day doesn't have too much on it because I've realized that there's only so much time you have, right? And but I follow the list and I and I and I and I put tick marks on the list like a little yeah. child. It's like yes, yes, oh, yes, I've done I this. love that. Too. You know, so it's really <laughs> right. Like yeah. it's so satisfying it to is. tick things yeah. off and yeah. and you know and and then of course I also write whatever I didn't write down on the list also that I ended up doing because sometimes don't you feel like oh my gosh it's like where did my day go Mm. I I just did like two out of five of my list but what was I doing so I think that earlier I would feel defeated but now I just write it all down so you know I end up with some sense of accomplishment it's like all right I was doing this and I stopped being hard on myself really I think I've Mm. I have you know take it with a little grain of salt okay I didn't get to doing this today so I do it tomorrow, you know? So I, I think that you also have to build in a little humor into your life <laughs> where, you know, you're like, okay, I got rejected by this uh, residency. All right. Uh, on to the next one. And I just got, you know, got a rejection letter for an exhibition and I was really bummed for about like, I don't know, 16 hours. <laughs> and then of course, I have such a wonderful support group and I reached out to my mentor and, mm-hmm. and, and I reached out to another mom and she's like, you know what? Sometimes you just need people to remind you of the stuff that you already know. So it's so important to have Mm -hmm. like people in your life who will, you know, lift you up and, you know, just give you that little bit of a lift when you need it. And, you know, like this one's not going. So let's on to the next one now. So, yeah. um, Yeah. And I think the important thing that I, that I didn't do before that I do now is that I ask for what I need from Mm -hmm. my family and my kids, you know, like it's not all about them. Um, I'm having tea right now. Give me 10 minutes. Come back to me in 10 minutes. Because, mm. you know, they see us and they just come running into the room. It's like, I need this right now. And I look at them and I'll say, you need to give me 10 minutes and I will come to you. Mm. Or, you know, whatever you need to do, you need me to do, put a post-it on my computer. So they write what they need and they stick it on my screen. Yeah. At the bottom of my, <laughs> on the bottom of my computer screen. Yeah. And so that's like a reminder for me. All right. So when I get done with my task, then I do what they need me to do. So I think that like I've built up a system where the kids also know now that they just can't walk into the room and declare, I need grilled cheese right now. I'm like, sorry, you're not going to get it. You need to wait. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just asking for things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with setting your boundaries with your children. I think throughout my work in childcare, um, I think parents mm. have this idea that they have to be at the beck and call of their children. They have to keep the children happy. And you're actually, and mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've, you've got to set them up for, for the real world too. Like, you know, when they get out in the world, the world isn't going to stop for them when they want something, you know, I think it's, yeah. it's actually responsible of a parent to set, set boundaries and expectations around where children fit into the world and not, and in a kind way, obviously, but you know, you're, Yes. Yeah, you're yes, set, yes. You're setting them up for failure. I think if you just, you know, I'm the same. If I'm in here editing or recording or something, and someone will come in and say, "Mom, can you do this?" I'm like, "Well, actually, I can't do it right now." But same thing, you know, give me five or ten minutes, and then I'll do it. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's reasonable. You know, that's a reasonable expectation for your child to to understand that that is actually okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that at all. And so yeah, for me, me you know, I, yeah. I had, to, right, I was like, I, and I, and I still know a few mothers who, who, who live like that. 
and um and you know it's hard because uh then you it's, it's what about me exactly and i think yeah. that that question is very important you know what about me what about what i want and i think that you definitely cannot ha- hope to achieve anything for yourself if you don't set the boundaries so that i think that's pretty and it's good for them i think that the children also will learn when they if they choose to become mothers that that it's okay to do that yeah and yeah i remember when I, when i was little my mother would <laughs> my mother would be like i am drinking tea right now come back to me later you know yeah. so she was definitely not there because you know she also worked and um you know she was not there uh, for me uh, all the time but she was a lovely mother and she still is mm-hmm. and i think that um but you know i kind of got into the trap of saying oh whatever you want guys whatever you want but i think mm-hmm. the significance um yeah so just simple things writing everything down i journal every day um yeah. and uh, i make lists and i ask for what i want and i and i also think that everybody's um experience uh, is different of mothering and what they need is different so i think the real uh, need is to uh, sit with oneself and ask oneself what do i need what do i really need and go for it you know mm-hmm. like you you matter i think that you yeah. matter and you're important and you know um just asking for what you need is important because uh, because a lot of times we don't ask because we're afraid of we're afraid of what might happen yeah you know yeah. what the answer might be but i think that it's we don't mothers don't really ask for things we just mm. give and i think that's it that has to we have to ask for what we want yeah, yeah i agree i think i think we're also afraid of inconveniencing other people because a mum's job is supposed mm-hmm. to be making everybody happy and making everything good and right for everyone but then if we sort of upset the apple cart so like, oh, hang on a sec <laughs> yeah know? so absolutely yeah oh, yeah there's a lot to be said yeah that, and i think and i think the other thing is that there's no straight path to this and we all have to pivot mm. i think because of what we do and the nature of what we do is and every moment presents itself differently sometimes you don't know like suddenly my kid is going to fall from the swings and i have to rush like this has happened right with you too i'm sure mm. where you've had to rush your kids to the doctor yeah. like drop everything and go and uh, usually it's me because my husband has a corporate job and i'm closer to the kids locationally you know school is closer to to our house than it is to his office besides you know he's in calls and mm. and you know like it's my primary responsibility so i have to drop everything and go mm. but you know in the beginning i would be like quite you know helicopter in a sense i would be hovering around them making sure like going overextending myself and and i still do those things but i don't but i but i you know everything what i've what i've figured is that everything will be all right you know eventually yeah. <laughs> you know like we you know like we don't have to lose sleep over every second of the kids life like you know yeah. it, it will be all right and i think that i have to be ready to pivot and to take everything you know lightly laugh off some yeah. serious things yeah. in life and the kids yeah. also learn to do that with me so now they also learn to pivot so i think it's yeah. uh it's a work in progress you know it's it's still hard but yeah <laughs> we make oh. it work yeah no good on you somehow yeah 
So if you've got anything you're working on, anything coming up that you want to share with the listeners to sort of look out for any, any sort of projects or work? Um, well, you know, these days I'm, um, I'm working on a, a new series. I haven't started posting that on Instagram yet. I'm suddenly feeling quite protective of the work that I'm making, yeah. you know, because everything is just so personal and it comes from a place of um, deep feeling. Mm. And um, I, I, you know, th- with this particular work that I'm making with the, the girls, um, um, <laughs> they'll walk up to me and they'll be like, so what are we doing today? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, they'll come to me. That. And, you know, the funny, well, I've trained them so well, I feel like. So they'll come to me and say, so what are we shooting today? Because when I set the lights up and things. Yeah. And then I'll say, and I'll tell them. Then they say, then the next question is, so what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> you know? So I'm like, do you really have to know every time? No. Um, but isn't so, that yeah, great, I though? Think, that is that. absolutely I love it it's amazing yeah. and sometimes I'm like can we just get through it and then I'll tell you no mama how about you tell tell us first and then and then well I'm like okay fine I've stopped being lazy and like so I tell them yeah. and then and then my next question al- always is are you okay doing this mm. and then they'll say yes or or they'll say no mm-hmm. but but usually they'll say yes because I'm you know I'm quite clever in the sense that I don't I don't pursue subjects that I know will put them in a spot, you know, yeah. because I don't want, because they will, they, um, I revere my kids. Mm. I mean, I, this might sound crazy, but I have this deep reverence for them. It's not just love. I, I, I really respect and um, look up to them. For so many things like they're just so wonderful and they're so innocent and they're just so loving and so inclusive yeah and so they're they're you know when they're agreeable to do something and when when they're not they will still look at me and think oh, is mom gonna get hurt because i say no so sometimes yeah. they will say yes and i don't want that yeah. because i don't want that i don't want them doing that so i'll be like are you sure are you sure are you sure mm, yeah, yeah we're yeah. sure anyway so so these days i'm i'm making something um and i'm they both are growing older and um my older daughter has started her periods and the little one you know she she's now nine and she suddenly changed over the past year or so and you know like how we talk about kids come having coming to the age of reason you know, I was kind of, I think it's kind of between seven and nine years old and she, she knows her place in the world and she knows, you know, someone, you know, consequences and mm. uh, of actions and good and bad and morality. And she's quite in that space right now where she's thinking about all these things and she's no longer um, a child. And, and I can see that they're becoming more independent. Mm. Um, and I've become obsessed with, with time. I feel I can feel my my biological clock (laughs) and I'm so concerned with time and its impermanence and how my daughters have my time in their hands, you know, Mm. and the fragility of this moment and how little we think of now, you know, like this moment. Mm. Um, I've become so conscious that they're letting go of me in so many ways 
and so so I'm thinking I I want to let go but I also want to hold on to them yeah and yeah. you know I I'm aging and they're blossoming so these things are happening all at once and I'm thinking of all these things and um you know they're maturing I'm happy but I'm also I'm also a tad melancholic you know at the loss of their childhood mm. and I'm relieved that I have more time but I'm wistful for the tender moments that I've spent with them yeah. when they were little so there's this yeah. we're in this liminal space and I'm curious about it and that's what I'm hoping to explore mm. yeah yeah that, that's um oh look there's a there's a song one of my guests wrote um, Jen Lush, she was in one of the earlier episodes last year and she wrote this song and it started off with, uh, I want to put you in glass. And that was the, mm. the, the way she wanted to stop her children from growing. And it was just this, oh. when I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, you know, all the, the pulls in the heartstrings, yes. like, oh my gosh, my babies are growing up, you know, and it's yeah. just, you just want to stop time. Every, like every time you look at them, they're growing, they're getting older every moment that goes past they're getting older and you just think no <laughs> slow down I know no it's just yeah oh, yeah it's an amazing it is process. quite a difficult um every 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 turn as they age is it presents something different to us mm. uh, and a different uh volley of emotions again you know yeah. like I feel like it never ends <laughs> it's like I need to breathe <laughs> yeah you know like uh like wait a second can I ever be happy like mm. my kids are now finally growing up I don't have to clean their bums I don't have to stand in attendance I don't have to say now nah, write this down and like I'm like oh my god can I just do that again can I wipe your bums like, <laughs> well, not wipe your bums but can you hold my right, hand yeah, exactly yeah, um, yeah it's just like it's 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 it's, it's a ride mm. we're on a roller coaster here I guess yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, you know, it's, it's just something all of us, I think, as, you know, like mothers, we go through this and it's it would be interesting to see what response I get once I put the work out there. But right now I'm yeah. I'm just quietly making it. <laughs> yeah, oh, lovely. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that presents itself. That will be very exciting to see. <laughs> Good on yes. you. I love that. That's awesome. been yeah. such a, a delightful discussion i've oh, so enjoyed this it's, it's been beautiful oh it's oh, been fun yes it has thank you well, again I hope you have something good to you know go on with and oh, oh this so is so nice to talk to you yeah, thanks it's for having so me so lovely i've just had such a lovely chat I, I get so much out of everyone that i speak to i take different things from it's really it's such a wonderful thing personally that I love to do I just love to talk to people and you know challenge ideas and yeah why why do we do this and all this oh, I just love it so yeah thank you for indulging me. <laughs> what, what, what you do is wonderful I think I well, think what you're doing is so significant and it's so important thank and you. so I'm so I'm so happy to be here and talk to you thank you oh, so much for no. for giving me for giving me your time <laughs> oh no thank you thank you it's been lovely 
Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.